Welcome to Thinking Edge with Ed Boudreaux. So we're incredibly excited to have Tracy Wilson Rossman today. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Chariot Solutions and also founder of Tech Girls. Tracy, welcome to Thinking Edge. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So I'd love to know more about Chariot Solutions. So Chariot Solutions is on its way to its 19th year in business, the beginning of July, which is just blowing my mind. But we are a software consulting firm. We're located right outside of Philadelphia. We started off specifically working with the Java language so many years ago. And we were a group of people who came from another company and started the consulting firm based on our experiences with early stage Java at that point. So we formed our company with the idea of what was then what I called West Coast culture. So we were using Java, early adopters of using open source technologies, really the idea of smaller teams with really, really bright, engaged senior engineers could make a huge difference in solving your complex business needs and challenges. And that has grown from Java and we've moved along to as new tools and technologies have come along, we've been on the forefront of that. And we work with all different size businesses from startups to fortune 100 companies. And of course it's software development, but also we're working in the mobile space. We are in the IOT space and we've been working a little bit more in the data engineering space. Great, thanks for that, that background. So over the, the, the 19 years, you know, I'd, I'd love to know more about Tech Girls and you know, what you saw, the inspiration you know, behind that, how did that come to be? And I'd love to know more about that. Sure, well, Tech Girls, was born from what I was seeing in the technology space that I was living in. So when you're a startup, you wear many different hats and I was part of recruiting for Chariot Solutions. And we weren't seeing that many women come through the pipeline and it made me extremely curious as to why that was happening. And this is probably about 15 years ago. So this was before diversity and inclusion was, was a thing. and. It took me a while to sort of, you know, do the research and have a better understanding of what may be some of the causes of this lack of women coming through our pipeline. And, you know, what I soon discovered was that girls were self-selecting out of technology careers around ninth grade. And these were based on a couple of studies that I had read from 2000 and 2005, very similar conclusions from both studies. And I think we still see this same information and stats coming out today. So I decided middle school was where we would focus, put together a group of like-minded people, took a year to do the research and have a better understanding. You know, remember, I'm still doing this and working my regular job, but it gave me a really, you know, the chariot solution side of my life allowed me to talk to developers, um, have a better understanding of what they thought about this diversity issue. And we decided that the best way to get more girls into tech was to give them sort of what I term the smorgasbord of opportunities to really see that technology wasn't just about coding. The original name 
that we had come up with was Girls Who Code, which of course somebody else used. Um, and one of the reasons we decided to go with Tech Girls was because we felt that tech was more than just coding. And that was from one of my early advisors. And certainly we have seen that play out over the last 15 years. We started the first program 11 years ago. And then two years ago, the uh, Tech Girls was acquired by a larger nonprofit. I still sit on the board, but you know, I be believed it was the best thing for the nonprofit to allow it to scale and expand since I was not giving up my day job. That's amazing. What do you see the work to be done in the future is around enabling women within technology? So there's still a lot of the same issues that I saw in the initial research haven't changed much, even though the discussion of having more diversity and working, having more underrepresented people be part of tech careers. And there's, there's so many issues. I like to call it, it's an onion of these different pieces. One is, you know, again, how do we, I think that one of the biggest issues is how do we show in the media what somebody who is in technology, what they look like or in science. We haven't really updated that view. It's a very narrow view. So I think we need to change that. I think we need to see more role models and, I, and when I say role models, sometimes it's just a visual. So I think that's one thing that's, that's really important. I think that we have to change the discussion around what a technologist is. And that's something that I've been trying to do for a while is technology, as much as I make a living from software development, technology is not just about coding. It's part of what, it is an important part of course, but it's not everything. So how do we open up the doors to have a more wider concept of what tech is? So I think that's important. And I think that we continually have to inform the public that girls and women are smart and they can do math and science, but math and science don't necessarily mean that they can't be a technologist, but it's a change of perception. And I'll just bring this story that I'm on this Facebook group of, of women in tech and a woman who was on a call who is a software developer. There was a man on the phone who said that, or on the call, of course, nowadays we're not in, in person. So I guess it was a phone call that men are just smarter and that they can code faster. And this is May, 2021 that we still are dealing with these outdated views. We can fight against that, but you know, how does that relate back to a, a girl who is 12, 13, if they're mm. hearing that from various sources? Yeah, that's incredible to, to hear, but I love your architecture in a way. How do we show in the media? How do we have more role models? How do we change the discussion? How do we inform the, the public? Right. Um, and then how do we change these outdated views? Right. Uh, and these um, are cultural. Some of them are cultural issues. Right. There's another piece of this that I like to talk about, which I term the path. So we really have to think about this in the long term. So it can't just be about middle school girls. If we get our middle school girls 
excited, which was part of what the goal for Tech Girls is, is to really get girls to have a better understanding of what they can do with technology. And then we've got them excited. So what happens in high school? What are the opportunities for them? How are we empowering the parents and the teachers and the school counselors and peers to be supportive of these girls' dreams and ambitions? Then what happens in college? How are they being supported? And then, you know, the first job. So all of these things, there's obstacles along the way that are still in place that we really have to start thinking about. We have to normalize the idea that girls and women can be in technology, that this isn't you know, something that there's an outlier, a unicorn. And our belief is that the more girls and women that are there, the more change that we're gonna see. And then we have to make those girls and women visible to feel that they can be comfortable to share their ideas, to showcase their knowledge in a way that allows them to role model for other people. Yeah, I love that. Almost creating an arc of success all along that, that path and enablement, empowerment, normalization, but maybe even you know more than that, creating that level of excitement all along that path and exposure and becoming a role model themselves to create energy and you know invest in others as they go through their career. That's beautiful. Exactly, exactly. I love that. And then, you know, it sounds like your passions, you know, around girls in, in tech, but also, you know, chariot solutions as well. And thinking about, you're really a driver of, of ideas. And I think of different kind of realms of, are you a thinker, a builder, a connector, a producer? It sounds like you're all of those. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did not see myself as a builder until several years ago when a friend of mine who sees herself as a connector, mm. I didn't see myself as that, but I definitely feel that I'm a builder as well as a producer. It's easy to have ideas. It's difficult to start getting those ideas, putting them in motion, having the patience for them to seed, to you know have the network that is necessary to move an idea along. And I, and I think that it's important to understand that we're, we're talking about this in the business realm, but I think that there are ways of doing this in the nonprofit world. And it also doesn't necessarily mean that you are the leader, but how can you start by doing this on a smaller scale? I think that's important. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I slowly came to realize that I was doing this. You know, I was, I had the idea. And the other thing is, is I'm not always the idea person, but I can see somebody else's idea and then figure out how to build it and then how to produce it. I, uh, and those are all I, different skill sets. Yeah. When you think about the journey of an idea, because it sounds like you've brought incredible things to the, the world clearly. How do you think about the journey of the idea and how do you keep that alive? How do you keep the excitement around that? How do you think about that structure? So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I literally just launched a new product, which will hopefully be a business. Well, it will be a business um, once we get the paperwork in place two weeks ago. So I'm in it again. I don't know why, but <laughs> these ideas just keep popping out. So 
you know, I'm, I'm there again. And, and you have to have patience. And I love how you say, how do you keep the enthusiasm going? Because I don't believe, you know, yes, there are people who are, are ideas that are overnight successes that they go viral very quickly. But for the most part, you're seeing things that when you think they were an overnight success, there's all this backstory behind that you're not even aware of. So the idea, just so I can talk about it, is it's called Journal My Health. And mm -hmm. it, again, is based on experience that I've had. It's a health app. And we are hoping to empower patients with chronic pain. And we're starting with those with long COVID, actually chronic conditions, to be able to capture their data, whether it is subjective data or what is passive data through a watch or some other wearable, as well as other apps that are on your phone and visualize that data so that you can better tell your health story either to your healthcare professional or for you to, to have a better understanding of your triggers and just have a better understanding of what's going on with yourself. You know, chronic conditions are complex and there are lots of nuances and many times you can't remember everything when you're going to your healthcare provider and there are correlations that we should be able to find. So, you know, getting back to your point, that's the idea. We're in the process right now of refining it. The app is out there in the app store. And there's a lot of work that needs to get done. There's marketing, there's networking. Notice I haven't even said anything about product development. There's listening for feedback so that you can put it in product development. There's gonna be fundraising soon. There's community building. There, there's a lot of pieces to get this up and running. So it's not going to be overnight and having that patience and the fortitude. And, you know, one of the things that I think I'm getting better at, but maybe not all the time is, you know, there are times where somebody calls your product ugly, they think that it's not good, that it's not going to make a difference. And it can come from people who don't really know any better. It could come from people who actually have an opinion that you should be listening to and you have to sort through that information, keep moving. But I also think that at some point, if you've set metrics and, and goals and you're not meeting them, do you know when to say, okay, enough's enough. So that was, that was a lot in that, in that little piece that I gave you, but. No, that's amazing. I, I love the, I call it the land of a thousand no's. So whether you're showing a product or, or going for fundraising, but those, that land of a thousand no's is actually informing, you know, what potentially your next steps are. And I think I love your combination of words, patience and fortitude, because I think some people actually give up before the breakthrough, right? So there is that precipice of, you know, the excitement is super high and then it wanes because you're in the land of a thousand no's. But if you break through that land of a thousand no's, all of a sudden the arc changes and it becomes exponential that you've learned enough by the feedback you're getting, the patience you have, the fortitude, and really driving that, that product, that idea to market. And there's, there is a balance between knowing that you need to move forward and when it's time to fail fast. So those are also important things to, to take into account. 
And I'm going to bring up one other thing that I've been sort of noodling on is the idea of what is success. Mm. I think in today's world, success is seen as you have these huge acquisitions or, you know, there's an IPO or you got this huge amount of funding. And yes, there are companies that are going to do that. But for the most part, there are smaller wins and smaller companies. And is that, I don't have an answer for this. So what is success? Right. I, lo- I love the, the question and the application journal, My Health, that you're working on with people for, you know, with chronic conditions, success may, may, may be making their lives better, right? So it's not about the limelight in a way of acquisition or IPO. It's, it's you've improved someone's life. And that to me is, to Simon Sinek, the infinite game, right? Can I make someone's life a little more tolerable or you know their condition that they're living with informing their their provider their physician whoever it might be that does shift and make their life better that to me would be success here um in 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 real success right not the limelight right but sometimes we do need to make money so (laughs) (laughs) so i want to do that but i also would like to be able to you know i've done the nonprofit thing And I'm really ecstatic with, you know, what I'm seeing, the creating IT futures slash tech girls team, where they're headed and what they're doing. And knowing that I made that right decision to move my baby to another entity so that they can help it grow up even further. I mean, that's a, that's a whole other thread that we can talk about is like when founders need to know when it's time for them to either bring in other people or understand where their abilities need help. That's, that's a whole other show. And, you know, the, the last part of this for me is in heading back to like, how does this all tie together? Why are you doing a healthcare app? It is based on a, a personal experience that I have, but, you know, when I think about I've been working in tech and now I've been helping to get other girls inspired to do tech, to innovate using technology. I'm now that, that person. So I hope to be that visible person to say, I don't code, but I'm working with developers. I'm the product manager on this. So I am a woman who's using technology to innovate within an industry. Tracy, I, I love that. And thank you for being the leader you are, bringing incredible things to the world. So I, I'm grateful for you in, in this conversation as well. If you were to take three pieces of what you've learned over your career and advise women in technology, advise others, what would those three pieces of advice be for them? The biggest, Well, the biggest one for me, I will say all the time, is don't be afraid. Now, and, and it goes into the next sort of piece of advice, which is be willing to take risk. Now, those two things do go together in a way of, I'm not saying for you to go jump off a bridge and taking that risk. Don't be afraid to jump off the bridge and to take the risk of you know breaking all of your bones in your body. So have an understanding of what that risk is. What are you willing to risk? Maybe sometimes you've got to not be afraid to push what that risk looks like. You know, I hear a lot of people, you know, I have a new idea, we want to try something. And I hear, oh, well, if it fails, it's going to reflect poorly on you. 
Like, how is that possible? It doesn't reflect poorly. It's how you represent yourself. So then people are afraid to even get started because they're afraid to fail. So take that out, the failure piece. It is okay to fail, but I wouldn't put this, this is part of the one and two, understand what are those guide rails and when it is time to give up, you know, move on, that's okay. There are many people, so many people, probably the majority of people who don't even try. So you're going to learn from that failure and you're going to build on that. And I know that sounds like new agey, but it is the absolute truth. And then the third one that I tell people, and I know this sounds very like offbeat, but as you move on in life and you are ready to partner, make sure your partner is supportive. I can't even tell you, and I heard this first from Sheryl Sandberg, having a supportive partner is going to be key for you as you move on. And that's whether it's childcare issues or allowing you to explore some of the outer edges of your career, being supportive of you having a career. Everyone should think about who they are partnering with as they you know, move on along in life. Oh, it's great. I, lo I love the three pieces of advice. Don't be afraid. Take those calculated risks, run experiments, see how you're mapping against those experiments, whether you've achieved them, if it's a failure or not, and then a supportive partner that is supporting you and your endeavors and, and taking those calculated risks and perhaps enabling you to move from being afraid to, to actually creating something new and, and different in the world. And Tracy, I couldn't be more grateful for, for you today. We really look forward to your product being launched in the healthcare space. I know it's a really big problem you're, you're solving for folks with chronic conditions. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today.